Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss, and I'm joined, as ever, by my good friend Jonathan Fadugba. So, we are well into the start of the Elite Serien and our Svenskan seasons, a couple of rounds old. We've just about got our breath back from the, what, eight hours of uh, content that we've produced over a certain uh, period of time, Jonathan. How are you feeling um, and your general thoughts on uh, the return to football in Scandinavia, well, Norway and Sweden? Hi, Steve. Hi, everybody. Yeah, it's been a nice week. Uh, I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing okay. I've uh, I've been away in Scotland this weekend, of all places. So, uh, yeah, I've, uh, you know, just got back uh, yesterday and uh, thankfully got back in time to watch the, uh, the Elite Serian Games. But, yeah, I'm doing okay. How was your weekend in Scotland? Well, I was actually up there uh, on a stag do I, uh, in Edinburgh. Actually took in a game of football on the Saturday in Scottish League One. Falkirk against Cove, Cove Rangers, which was, was an interesting experience, Jonathan. But um, on the old 4G pitch there at Falkirk. So, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I was a little uh, heavy-headed on uh, Saturday morning. But uh, you know me. Tough warrior, battle through things. Indeed. So you got a bit of a sore head, or are you, you feeling fine? <laughs> fine now. I mean, I had a bit of a sore head, you know, over the weekend. You know, uh, I'm I'm no I'm not a spring chicken anymore, <laughs> um, but still made a fairly stern stuff. Lovely to see. Lovely to see. Yeah, it's been a been an interesting week, isn't it? We've got a big show for you today. We've got a lot of listener questions as well. So thank you to everybody who's listened. I hope you've really enjoyed the season previews. Obviously, if you haven't listened to the season preview, the, they're free to listen to or, or wherever you get your podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you go. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod to get the links, of course, as always. Um, they're, they're still relevant. Uh, you know, they're only a week old. And, uh, of course, we preview every single team in the league with a little bit of analysis of every single team and our predictions for where they will finish in the season. And, of course, uh, over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. You can access our 10 to watch, uh, 10 to watch in Osvenskan and 10 to watch in Elite Serien. So that's 20 hot talents to keep an eye out for this year. We've picked some really interesting players, haven't we, Steve? And uh, the start of this season, a couple of them are doing fairly well already. So, um, yeah, I think that's uh, something if you want to get. And, of course, we've got our weekend previews as well. Uh, we started the season with an 88% hit rate out of nine predictions. We've got eight of them right so far. So that's a pretty good success rate so far in terms of our weekend predictions. You can grab them as well on, on Patreon. So uh, grab all that stuff if you like. But for now, we're going to recap the first two weeks of the season in Osvenskan and Elita Serien. And there's only one place to start, my friend, because there's a big midweek game coming up this week. It is the Conference League, and it's Buda Glint against our old friends Roma, isn't it? AS Roma. Uh, and I want to get your take on it first of all. I mean, I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you want to start by telling us how Glint got on this past weekend, but. Uh, it's probably the best place to start, isn't it? Because that's a, a very big game. Yes. Um, almost, I feel like I've not really talked enough about this game. Um, Budaglint 2, Roma 1 in the first leg of the quarterfinals of the Europa Conference League. And Roma took the lead in this match. Uh, Pellegrino uh, with a good finish. Uh, I have to say, he looked quite good, uh, that lad, um, for Roma Pellegrino. I think he's got quite a few Italian caps, but he definitely stood out to me there. And to be honest, I actually, I was getting a little bit worried for Glimp. They weren't quite themselves. And, you know, I was thinking 
yeah, this is the third time Jose Mourinho's faced them. He may have finally worked them out, but uh, incredibly, I mean, there's no stopping this glimpse side, is there? Bryce Wembangoma of all people equalised. Uh, that was a popular goal. And then right at the end, I think 88, 89th minute, Hugo Vettelson with a deflected header into the back of the net and Budiglim took the win, uh, two goals to one, and they're going to Roma with that advantage. But really, the, the main talking point here is more off the pitch with uh, a big scuffle after the game, which we're going to talk about soon. But in terms of performance on the field, I think it was a great second half display from Glimt. Knudsen made some great uh, tactical changes. He got subs right at the right time. And, you know, the heart of this team is unquestionable. And um, if they can avoid defeat at Olympico, they are in the semi-finals against either Leicester or PSV. I mean, that's a huge achievement and, um, you know, caused a big steam, didn't it, in England, the fact that they turned, you know, turned it around. Really good result for them. Uh, not quite 6-1, but of course, uh, second time they've played them. I mean, how much, firstly, Steve, do you think that impacted them, the fact that they've already played each other? You know, was it a disappointment uh, going into the match, if you know what I mean, with the, the other teams they could have maybe drawn? Was it seen as a bad draw? Or was it maybe a good draw, actually, to be able to play someone you've already known and already absolutely battered in the home leg? You know, what was what was the sort of feeling around the game before, you know, with the, the odds and things like that? Did people expect them to win again? Or, you know, and, and what was the perception within the club as well around, around that match? I think it's... It's both a poor draw, but a good draw as well. I mean, if you look at the section of this Conference League draw, and they've no doubt they are in the hardest bit. I say the winner of this type faces Leicester or PSV Eindhoven. In the other section, it's Marseille, Pauk, Feyenoord or Slavia Prague. Now, I'm pretty confident Marseille are pretty booked in for the final, really. They should be in that section. But... Um, at the end of the day, you kind of want a bit of a glamour tie, don't you, as well? So they could have got someone like Pauk or Slavia Prague, who you maybe they, you know, might have got beaten by them. And um, and it would have felt pretty a tame finish to, to things in in this competition for them. At least they know Roma. They've played them twice. I mean, Roma know, know them as well. So that's kind of a disadvantage. But it's a big tie. They're going to get to play in front of a full house at Olympico in the second leg. All tickets are sellout. All tickets sold. So, I mean, I think overall that you got to. I think it is, it is probably a good draw. It's it's a shame they've got to face them at this stage again. But um, I mean, in terms of expectations, they beat them six one up in in, in in the group stage. So I think there was kind of there's up, there was certainly optimism. I don't know whether it was expectation, but certainly optimism. And why wouldn't they after after the, the first two performances they had? Yeah, certainly. And they go to Roma now this week, as we said, it's a big, big uh, preview. You know, one of the biggest games in Europe is really, isn't it, this week? What, what's the outlook? I mean, uh, from what I've read this week, it's kind of kicked off, hasn't it? Because mm. post-match, there was a little bit of spice. I mean, can you tell us exactly what happened after the game? Because it's a little bit um, be curious to see what happened. There's been a lot of comments back mm. and forth, both teams. I know Budiglin put out a club statement on the website. So what exactly went on after this game, Steve? In the player tunnel after the match, Roma's goalkeeping coach, Nuno Santos, is said to have strangled Jeff Knudsen. And the glimp coach responded by basically putting the Portuguese uh, guy on the ground. So for that's, what, that's, what, that's what Glimp claimed. Strangled him for what reason? Was there like a, you know, did, was there controversy during the match? Or, I mean, 
it's rare that you randomly go up and try and strangle someone. What, mm. what was the reason for it? Do you know why? Yeah. Well, basically, all match, this goalkeeping coach, Nuno Santos, had been trying to badger the Buddha Glimp bench mm. and basically antagonise them, abuse them, saying loads of shit, stuff like that. And, you know, that was obviously something that was annoying Glimp and, and so and so and so and forth. But it got, it came, things came to a head after the game when, you know, he got him by the throat, according to Glimt. And then that is when Chetil Knudsen reacted, you know, self-defence, that's what he's claiming. However, the Italian side of things has been said that, I mean, the captain, Pellegrini, said that it was Knudsen who attacked the goalkeeping coach first. So there's talk that there is actually a video of this somewhere, but it hasn't been made public. But there's a big fallout here because Chetil Knudsen said this whole incident has given him a lot to consider. And he told Avisa Nordland, it's on a level that I considered whether I should continue with this. It is so far from my club and Norwegian football's values. You have to get in and gather strength in yourself to solve the situation in the best possible way. Such things can make me want to do something completely different. For me, the most important thing is to be able to see myself in the mirror. I have to consider if it's actually worth it. This game costs a lot. And... He said about uh, Mourinho here, I'm just uh, checking, he made a specific comment on Mourinho. This kind of attitude is shocking from him. His values and his way of coaching are so far off everything I stand for. It is incredibly disappointing to see such behaviour from a great manager who's been part of this game for so long. So Knudsen basically said he thought about quitting football after the incident on Thursday. So... At the minute, he's under investigation from UEFA. He's suspended at this point in time for the second leg, as is the goalkeeping coach, until the inquiry is all over. So I don't know how quickly this is going to be processed, but at the minute, Chetel Knutton will not be on the sidelines for the second leg in Rome. I mean, these are these are big words, Steve, from the, uh, from the actual... Uh, from Chetel Knutton. To say that he's thinking about quitting football, I thought you maybe meant he was just thinking of maybe not turning up for this next match or for not, you know, not addressing the Roma game. Um, does he really mean quit football, or you know, how badly is he being affected by that? How badly has the club been affected by that? And how do you think it might affect the the second leg coming? I mean, you mentioned there's an appeal. Maybe do you think he might even think to himself, you know, what? Either way, I'm not bothering being on the touchline, for example, or not going to Rome. What? what? It sounds like quite a big incident to be honest. I, I tell you what's happened here. Right, Jonathan. For me, it comes down to Jose Mourinho, who has basically become an absolute wanker, in my opinion, these days. Now, I enjoyed Mourinho when he first came into English football, and you can't deny he had a fantastic decade of success. But what I think what he's become now, he's been found out on a lot of levels at clubs that he's failed with in recent times. And he has become this bitter guy who is a bad loser he cannot win with dignity and he's basically been out coached by Knudsen and he's resorted to the the dark arts and low blows to try and get to try and rattle Buda Glimp basically the way he runs his ship is he would have told and this is my opinion he would have told the, his coaches to basically get in their ear try and distract them try and destabilize them and he may well have even said go for, go for the throat quite literally and this is the way he 
he goes about stuff in football nowadays. I there was on on Sunday, I think they played against the bottom team in Italy. I think Salernitana. They've only won three games all year. They're going down. So apparently, someone from the Roma bench was basically berating Salernitana, goading them that, "Oh, you're going down, you're going down." That's that's typical Mourinho and his staff. He actually apologised for it, I think, on uh, behalf of the club. But come on, they just don't have any class about them. Sometimes he will do, and Knutson mentioned this. That he will basically do whatever it takes to get a result. He doesn't care how, and that is Jose Mourinho for you. I'm so. I mean, I've never liked. I've never been a fan of him. Certainly not in the last 10 years anyway. And that's how I see things going. Basically, he was getting out coached by Glimt. He didn't like it. He spat his dummy out and he's thinking of ways to try and turn it into his advantage. Yeah, I mean, he does have previews for this. You know, when you just what you're saying there reminds me of the classic sort of Real Madrid Barca games where he used to really antagonize Barcelona. Obviously, the late Tito Villanova, who can remember that, the poke in the eye and the kind of the mm. atmosphere he created in those games to really stir up that Barcelona team, which in the end, to be fair to him, it was successful. You know, he, he did rattle what is one of the greatest probably teams of all time, that Barcelona side, and, and did win the league. So, you know, he, he is a, someone who likes to delve into these dark arts, isn't he? I mean, as you've mentioned there, he's probably, he's probably thought to himself, listen, I can rattle this Buda Glimp team. They've probably never seen this sort of stuff before. Do you feel that the, because you mentioned it was a goalkeeping coach, do you feel that the goalkeeping coach was doing this under instruction then or do you feel that it was uh, you know as a tactic to maybe just sort of deflect the tension away from glimpse and just get them out of their comfort zone because this is the sort of thing that you don't see this much in norway do you in norwegian football no no definitely not at all look um i'll take like i said this is the way that Mourinho captains his ship anyone under him has got to be singing from the same hymn sheet this goalkeeping coach was under him at spurs so he knows obviously he's been working with Mourinho and you know, the, as I said, they're all probably of the same sort of uh, principles and values and things like that. Um, so whether Mourinho directed him specifically to do this, I'm not sure. But they're going to be all of the same ilk, in my opinion, that they know that they, they have to try and do... There would have been a tactic to try and rattle them, you know, do the mind games and things like that. I mean, it's astonishing. This is Roma. I mean, do this against a team called Buda Glimt. It's, it's almost embarrassing that they've resorted to this level, but... I look if, if if that's how you're gonna do it, there's no in, I just don't think Mourinho's got any integrity now. I'm not sure he ever really did in that way. I mean that's it's not my sort of thing. Um as my like how Fergie used to do mind games for Man United, I think some of that was was fair play, really. It never really seemed to go below the belt that often. I think Mourinho definitely does, to be honest with you, uh, Jonathan. And um you know, now it I mean there's the controversy. they moaned about the pitch. It up in the glim, you know, being artificial, and um, it's interesting that just in the last day or two, that Roma that Budigan wanted to train on grass in Italy, Roma offered them their artificial training facility to train on instead of any grass. So now Lazio have stepped in and made available their training facility in a place called Formello where it's made available, uh, where they've basically made all this training facility available free of charge for Glimt. Um, so now Lazio are involved in this. It's it's really kicked off. It's got heated. I can't believe what's happened. Um, and it's going to be a sellout crowd in Olympico. And you know what? <laughs> in a true Kevin Keegan voice, I would love it. I would love it if Roma got knocked out now. I really would. 
Yeah, it's certainly going to stir them up. Uh, you know, with the the interesting thing is this could actually work, couldn't it? Because Glimp, are they they've never gonna they've never had to probably deal with this before. Um, mm. How will it affect them mentally in going into the game, the players and that kind of thing? Do you think they can actually withstand this? Um, and how do you think it, you know, impacts this match coming up? And, and you know, give, just give us your general thoughts. It's Thursday, eight pm in the UK. Uh, Roma are at Stadio Olympico at home to Glimp, two mm. one down, obviously. How do you think it's going to affect the game and where do you see the game going from, from here? I think it's going to be really, really hard. I mean, it's one of the hardest places to go in football when their fans are, are real heckled up and really stirred. And the atmosphere is going to be, I think, probably electric and it'll be quite poisonous towards Glimt. There'll be a lot of police there and stuff now. Things have kicked off and spicy. It's going to be a huge challenge for Buda Glimt, especially if their manager's not on the sideline. They've got injury problems. At the weekend, uh, they lost uh, Pellegrino and uh, Breda Moo to the doubtful for this game, a uh, match against Sandefjord, uh, which uh, ironically, Buda Glimp were moaning about the pitch there, which led to several. It was a brutal match, actually. Um, the Sandefjord captains ruled out for the whole season with an ACL as a result of that game. But so they've got injury doubts. The manager might not be on the sidelines. I mean, if they come through this, I think, you know. I might buy a Buda Glimp shirt with Mourinho on the back or something. Like genuinely, it would be a great achievement to to get to get through the semi-finals now with so many things against them. It might make them. I don't do not underestimate this this Glimp side in terms of its togetherness and and and, and strong heart and desire. But I've, something tells me Roma now will do what is needed to get through, no matter how ugly, no matter how below the belt. They'll cheat. They'll do anything in their power now to get what they need. And, you know, they don't care what level they stoop to. It's about, for Roma and Mourinho, it's now about getting in that hat for the semi-final at all costs. Yeah, I'm going to ask you for your match prediction in a second. I'm just going to read some of Mourinho's comments. Obviously, um, Lorenzo Pellegrini, who you mentioned uh, in the match, he actually came out afterwards and said he was surprised about it, just given the Roma side of things. Um, he said he wasn't, you know, it goes against their values. Mourinho, after the Salernitana game, uh, used it to mock Buda Glimp, saying, we are civilised people, nobody will be waiting to punch someone in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said as well, I-, I tell the truth, not like some clubs or the police. Someone uh, on my bench told the Salernitana staff, uh, they're going to Serie B, and I went to apologise. Mourinho then said, we are civilised people, what happens on the field ends there. Nobody will be waiting outside 45 minutes later to try and punch someone in the face. So, uh, clearly, um, you know, the, the, clearly Marino, obviously, uh, we're just giving that side of the story. Clearly, there's bad blood between these two teams. He's using it to dig, have a dig at Glimt. I mean, this is out of the classic Marino play because, as you've said, um, you know, Ferguson used to enjoy these mind games, but, the, you know, I can't remember him ever having punch-ups with, with managers. You know, I think he was quite civil in that sense and quite quite humble in defeat most of the time, even if it might be might go against the ref or something like that, but never really went against managers. Um, I mean, just a little bit of extra comment, you know, on BT Sport, uh, James Horncastle commented, when you think that three of the goal scorers from the 6-1 defeat have since been sold, to still lose to Buda Glimt is humiliating, uh, criticising Mourinho there. So this is a real, it's turned into some sort of grudge match somehow. So yeah, like you said, you know, there's going to gonna be a lot of bad blood. What is your prediction for this game? Steve? I mean, I know you've already said, you've outlined the conditions, but what do you think will happen? What's your match prediction to brief? I'm, I'm going to predict 2-1 after 90 minutes to Roma, which will, of course, take it to extra time. 
and then anything's possible. I feel like this tie almost deserves to end in a penalty shootout. Um, <laughs> yes, it just feels that way to me. And, and who knows which way it will go. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm honestly going to sit on the fence here. I mean, something tells me this might be just a step too far for Glimpse, but I've said that many times before. Uh, Mourinho, you're right. He, It's typical Mourinho is this. And for me, he's done as a top-level coach now. He's finished. He's now, He's not an elite-level coach anymore. He was. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's leave that because obviously, you know, I don't know where they are in Serie A, but it's not really our place to kind of... Um, dig. It's not really our place to comment on that, really, is it? My, my point is that I think Knutson has outcoached him. Right okay. over the over the, the three matches so far, whether he can keep doing that, I, I see don't what know. You're saying, yeah, yeah. So um, I think uh, Glimt will give it their absolute all. I'll say Roma on penalties, and it'll be a, a horrible way to go out. But um, I hope it's the other way around. Yeah, and we obviously wish good luck to Buda Glimt. You know, we don't want it to end in this kind of nasty situation. And I really hope, obviously, uh, reading Kietzio Knutson's comments, you know, the last thing I want is for him to step away from football because. You know he's been incredible uh, this for this past few years. He's really he's been a breath of fresh air for football in general. I think so. That you know let's let's hope that he recovers from this. Let's hope he's not too badly affected. And you know it's not it's not a nice spirit, is it? The game is not a nice atmosphere. So let's hope that he can get over it and um, everyone moves on in an amicable way. Let's look at the the weekend's games. Obviously, Glimt. Um, you know they got a win at Sandefjord. I mean I don't know if you want to touch on that briefly or you want to move on to the teams who've got hundred percent records. You know, what, what stood out for you in this uh, second game week? Yeah, I mean, that match, as I could say, it was a brutal game injury-wise. Pellegrino went down, Breda Moo went down. Sander Foss, the Sanderfield captain, is ruled out for the whole season now with an ACL injury. He didn't blame. It was a, a collision with uh, Runar Espiord. Okay. Didn't blame Espiord, though. Um, several players came out and called this pitch an absolute disgrace. And it was. And honestly, I mean, for me personally, I, I, I think... All of Norway, you could, you may as well have the pitches artificial. I think you play better football on it. There's less. I think there's actually less risk of injuries now in the modern day pitches um, that are artificial as well because there was bare patches and everything here at Sandefjord. It's not their fault. I've said before. I know we've had this debate on the podcast, um, but it's not their fault. The you know the conditions up there. Over the uh, the course of the you know the calendar year, it's difficult after a winter to get a good surface. But Glimp won it two one. They got the result, an important win actually, because it's um, they couldn't have, they needed to win at least one of the first two games. There are two teams on a hundred percent, Viking and Molder. So a really good start for them. Viking have won both games two one uh, nil, and Molder came from behind to beat Godset three one, vanquishing the ghost of the last year's six nil defeat. So we've got two teams on a hundred percent. Three teams have yet to pick up a point. And uh, the rest are all in between. Yeah, I mean, we haven't we haven't also touched on week one, so I'm just going to read the week one results briefly. Uh, Hamcam two, Lillestrøm two, Molde one, Wallerenga nil, Arlesen one, Christiansen nil, uh, Halgerson one, Sandefjord three. Jerv got their first ever win uh, in the top flight in their first match, obviously one nil against Trums Godset. Odd beat Tromsø two nil. Sarpsborg lost at home nil one to Viking. And Glimt and Rosenborg in the big game, uh, you know, that big clash, uh, opening season clash 2-2, it finished. Um, then in the second round of games, I'll just quickly read through all of them. Lillestrøm beat Jerv 4-0 on the Saturday. Christiansen 2, Sarpsborg 3, Rosenborg 1, odd nil. 
one of your predictions, wasn't that? Um, Sandefield won Bidigan 2, which we've just mentioned. Godset won Molder 3, Tromso 2, Ham Cam, newly promoted Ham Cam 1. Wallerenga 2, Halgerson 1, and Viking 1, Arlison, newly promoted Arlison 0. Uh, sorry for any mispronunciations there. So you're saying that Sandefield play on a grass surface, Steve? Yeah, there's not many teams that do play on a grass surface in the Elitist area now. Uh, Lillestrom, Rosenborg, Sanderfjord, um, Jörv and Hagersund. They're the only teams that play on grass surfaces now. And I've got to be honest, all of them, apart from Rosenborg and probably Lillestrom in when it's, when the summer starts to come, or the rest of them are you pretty shocking surfaces. To be honest, most of the whole year round. Uh, I, I, to be fair, I can't really comment on Yerv yet. I've not seen it throughout the whole season, but I just honestly feel that we get better football in the artificial grounds uh, pitches now, and so many players are used to it these days that you know, this early in the year you, you don't want to be on a grass pitch, in my opinion. You'd rather be on artificial. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we've got a question from Soccer Noob USA. I think we're gonna we're gonna do a little section, aren't we, in a bit with one mm. questions. We've had a lot this week, so thank you so much for everyone who's dropped questions on Twitter at Nordic Footpod. Um, but at Soccer Noob USA, just because we've been talking about Glimt, he asked, Do you think Buddha Glimp can hold off Roma? And if so, how far do you think they can go? Kind of already answered that. I think you think they're going to go out in this in this round. Mm. Um, so yeah, thanks so much for that question, Soccer Noob USA. Keep them coming. Hopefully, uh, we've had a big section there discussing that game, so hopefully that gives you an answer that you want. And uh, please do, you know, in future, uh, ask more questions every week because we'll be happy to answer them. Um, Mulder and Viking, 100% records. Yeah. What's your what's your take on these two teams so far? Looking quite good. I think Mulder, they're, they're pretty, exactly what we all expected. They're creating loads of chances. They have, probably should be scoring even more goals than they have. Um, but at the same time, at the other end, they will give you some opportunities here and there. It's a question of taking them. And the opposition haven't really taken their chances against them yet this season. And there will come a match where they find themselves a couple of goals down. And then how are they going to respond? And it'll be interesting. Or, you know, the, the opposition are much more clinical. Uh, they actually fell behind in this game to a Fred Friday header. And they were down at half time. So I think fair play to them to come back into the match second half. Um, and they definitely showed good patience and they didn't panic. I quite liked that about Mulder. Viking, uh, a more interesting case because the last couple of seasons, they've been this sort of pinball team end-to-end football, like basketball games, where they just outscoring sides left, right and centre, and that is how they were getting their results and points. There's something different about Viking this season. They're, they're controlling matches, actually, a lot better than I expected. Their XG against is really good, I think, right now. Um, they've really limited their sides. I mean, Sarpsborg and Arlesund, who are no mugs, really. Um, they're not top sides either but i've been impressed how viking have controlled games they've been willing to be more patient and it's they've scored both their goals late in matches is it a different sort of style of viking where they've looked at themselves the last two years and thinking we're conceding too many goals here we're too not panic stations but we're too eager to just go forward bomb forward um, and i've seen it, it leads them to be sick and matches can become crazy and i think if we see this level of control from viking, viking continue they're actually a dark horse even for the for the gold medal, Jonathan, I must say. It's a big statement. I mean, you've got them fourth place in your mm. pre-season preview, obviously, pre-season preview podcast. Don't forget to grab it, everyone. Um, but yeah, you're even maybe tipping them after a positive start. They're the only two teams in the league with a 100% record, of course. 
so well done to them at the beginning of this campaign. Um, but let's move on to, uh, I mean, I don't know if you have any, any further comments, but if, if you don't, then mm. let's move I think on. There's a lot of questions. The question section was quite a few about Rosenborg, so we'll do that at the end. Yeah. Um, but I think we're going to talk about sort of down the let's bottom. Now. The promoted, promoted teams. Mm. Um, we'll talk about the, those listener questions and we'll sort of review a little bit. There's a few more questions out there about the top. top yeah. But, yeah. Um, every promoted side in the league has at least a point so far. Yes, they do. And um, we've got Arsenal on three. Jörg on three and Hamkam have one. And so far, I've actually been quite impressed, actually, with the promoted teams. Um, Jörg have ground out. They were lucky to beat Godset, but you, you can't knock a team for defending well and then taking their chance. And they lost 4-0 at Lillestrom in week two, but really, it wasn't that bad a display. I mean, Lillestrom just showed their, their extra class of someone like Paul-Andre Helland, and they did that in week one against Hamkam as well. So... I think fair play to Jurv and Arlesund, uh, uh, definitely as solid as I thought they would be. I said in the season preview podcast that they will this time escape relegation. And Lazana Nielsen has got a good setup going there. He's happy to dig out and play ugly if needed. A 1-0 win against Christiansen. And you know what? It was only took a very good finish from Zlatko Tripic against Viking. Otherwise, they may have even held out for a 0-0 there. So... So far, uh, I've been impressed with what I've seen from all three teams. Hamcam will probably feel they should have three points on the board after week one. They um, they let slip, slip a 2-0 lead against Lillestrom, then got beat at Trom, so that can happen. It's a tough place to go. But so far, it's uh, encouraging for the promoted teams. From a fantasy point of view, I know there's a lot of people playing the league to fantasy this season. And uh, our league, we've got a good good amount of people in that league. We've got, I think, 150 people in our Nordic Football Pod League, if you haven't joined it. And I'm actually not bottom at the start of the season, which is great to see. I'm sort of mid-table, which I'm loving. Um, of the promoted sides, you know, who are the kind of uh, maybe differentials, the outliers that you've, you know, who are, the, who are the players that have kind of started well, not just from an FPL perspective, but, you know, in terms of these three teams getting points on the board, you know, who are the, who are the players maybe that have sort of started mm. the season quite well? I don't think I would quite have the the guts to put a year of player in my starting lineup. Hmm. Um, but Arlesund are an interesting side to look at because um, they've got Tromso now next at home. And then they actually have a double game week, which has been brought forward. They, they play Odd away and then Lillestrom away, same game week um, in round four. Now, those are not easy games, but Arlesund have got some... I think you could actually look at certainly Simon Nordley for seven and a half million who takes a lot, pretty much all the set pieces. He's already got an assist. He very nearly scored against Viking. First half hit the post. Everyone's probably still waiting for Sigurd Hagen to score goals. He's owned by over 20% of people. Um, but the goals will come, I think, against the, the right sort of team. Uh, but I think the defence is worth looking at as well, Jonathan, because they've only conceded one in two matches. So... You could certainly look at someone like uh, the, the captain, David Foreman, or even Simon Raffin, uh, although Yippe Moe might come back from injury there. That, that I think Arlesund are a squad worth looking at. And in terms of Ham Cam, I mentioned uh, Christian Eriksen in the, um, in the in the pre-season podcast, how I was kind of a bit dubious of him. He had a fantastic first game against Lillestrom. Less effective against Tromso, but if he, he plays like that at home again, then 7.1 million now on him might uh, look like uh, a good price. So uh, 
yeah, there's definitely you could definitely look at Arsenal and Ham Cam, certainly. And as for Yerv, as I guess I wouldn't really look at anyone there yet. Although Fatado did score in that first game against uh, Godset and got a few extra points. Fantastic stuff. We've got Alisson against Tromso this week. Uh, next week, it's a Monday games. All the games are on Monday, 18th of April. And um, in our preseason, in our sort of weekend preview, we'll, we'll have a couple of uh, tips there as well. We'll preview the weekend's games. Uh, a short, short extra episode that we always do on our Patreon. So patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast if you if you fancy getting involved with that. But um, uh, yeah, Hamcam have Sanderfield as well at home. And Jerv will play Christensen at home. We've started quite poorly, Christensen, my boys. Not doing very well at the moment with zero points. Um, before we wrap up part one, just want to ask you, uh, well, I do want to ask you about my boys, actually. <laughs> Christiansen, you know, are they in trouble? Because we've got three teams on the bottom with zero points. Uh, Christiansen, Algerson, who I also used to like when they had Bruno Leite, and Storm's Godset, who you did tip to have a poor season the previous year, but you, you thought this year they'd be kind of, they'd recover a bit, but obviously they've made quite a bad start, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, we've got a question about Holgers and we'll go about them soon. God set one of the defeats against Mulder, so we'll probably let them off for that, won't we? As for Christiansen, they might be in some trouble, you know, Jonathan. I have to say, they've um, they lost to Arlison and hardly laid a glove on them. And then against Sarpsborg, I mean, they conceded after, I think, 18 seconds or something like that in uh, against them. And they were 3-0 down at half-time. Came back into the game in the second half. That was more the Christiansen that I... Well, that we know and love, let's say. But uh, the damage had been done. And to, to start with two defeats against Arlesson and, and Salzburg, it's not great. They've got Yerv next. That's a big game. They're away from home. If they lose that, then I think it could be panic stations. Uh, you know, this would is this the year they finally kind of play below their level, um, what they've been doing, and, and get sucked into a relegation battle? They've started poorly before sometimes though and come back, so I'm not going to completely slag them off or anything yet. But something's not right with Christiansen, Jonathan. I think the biggest problem is in defence. They, they, they're they not looking solid. They're conceding too many chances. And unless they tighten things up, they, they are definitely could be in some trouble. I mean, is there any... I know that you, we've got a question coming up about Haugesson as well, so we will talk about that. In the preseason podcast, which obviously, as I mentioned, please do go back and listen to them if you haven't done so uh, on YouTube. Of course, we've time stamped every single um, team. So if you just want to go straight to a team, don't forget you can just go on YouTube on the preseason shows and click on the, the team you want to listen to. And obviously, you can listen to their sort of five, 10 minute preview as well for both podcasts. But you predicted Christensen in ninth this season. Um, you've said you're concerned about them. Is there any? Anything you didn't spot, maybe that gives you a cause of concern. Is it? Is it kind of maybe managerial tactics? Is it? Is it just players underperforming? I know it's very early days, but what what do you sort of put it down to at the moment, just based on what you've seen so far, that makes you start to think that you know they could even struggle this year? They've got a defender called Dan Peter Ulverstad who has missed the first two games, and he's not always been a guaranteed starter in the last couple of seasons, uh, kind of rotates in and out of the team. But I just wonder if his influence in the whole squad um, not being there has, has made a difference. But I've never really noticed him as being particularly crucial for them before. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, 
to be fair, first game, Arlesund, I think, had a really good game against them. You've got to give credit to Arlesund. But it was worrying. I think the XG against Arlesund was nearly over two for Arlesund. And then Sarpsborg obviously hit them 3-0 in the first half the weekend. I, I don't know. They, was, they were really solid defensively last year. Maybe it did rely on McDermott quite a bit in goal. So maybe, you know, his heroics are not coming off yet. It might just be that the writing was on the wall maybe after last year. They need to, they need to somehow. They, they desperately need a clean sheet against Yervin to win. Doesn't they need to sort of win ugly, Jonathan? Really, I think just to settle them down, and then they can, you know, build on that. They will still be. I think they'll be dangerous against some of the top sides though, when they don't have much possession, hit them on the break, and probably might be in their element there a bit more. But uh, let's just see. Let's see how the next two games go for them, and and take it from there. Yeah, we have to stress it. It's very early days. There's only only two games played for the Owls. That's their nickname, Christians and the Owls. So they've got a nice owl on their badge. I'm, I'm a fan of them. I definitely don't want to see them going down. I, I've taken a bit of a soft spot to them for the, the way they've given teams teams a bit of a bruising in the past few years, big, bigger teams. Um, but obviously not a good start for their season. Their next game, as you mentioned, is a way to jerve. So maybe, they can, maybe that's a winnable game potentially for them. Um, let's move on uh, before we wrap up. Part one, we're about to wrap it up now, but just one final comment, uh, Steve. You just wanted to mention something about fantasy, didn't you? Yeah, and um, you know, we obviously you asked me there about the uh, the three prom- promoted teams' assets, and I uh, just wanted to talk about Lillestrøm assets because I think that change in fixture now, Lillestrøm Marlson moving to match day four. I think there's some players that you can definitely consider getting from that team because. Akor Adams, the Nigerian, has really impressed me. First two games, he came off the bench and turned things around for them against Hamcamp. Scored. He started against Yerv and got uh, scored a header. He looks quality. I think he looks a fantastic addition from from the Obosligan side. Songdal. He's got something about him, and uh, I would. I think he's only eight million. But I really like this Adams and uh, Yerman Asen showed signs against Yerv that he's just starting to get into positions where he should be scoring goals. He's always potentially an assist machine. So I think you could definitely look at those two now of the next two or three game days and, and get some good points out of them. A lot might be going towards Paul-Andre Halland, who looks in fine form. But honestly, he could go down at any minute with an injury. I don't trust him for fitness. And will he necessarily get a lot of minutes? But he's certainly a quality player at the moment. And... Um, just wanted to point out, I think Lillestrøm are a good team to move towards in terms of a fantasy direction at the moment. It's fairly obvious and a lot will be talking about it, but just felt like it had to be mentioned. Love that. Thanks so much. Good good uh, recap of the first uh, few weeks. Uh, we will answer some listener questions in the next part of the show, but uh, for now, pretty much wraps up Norway. Keep an eye out, Buda Glimt, Roma, sorry, Roma, Buda Glimt. That's going to be a huge game on Thursday. Uh, we shall be sort of comment on, commenting on that. Maybe we'll give a few thoughts. Steve, very cutting comments on Jose Mourinho there. Well, let us know what you think on Twitter at Nordic Football, of course. Um, I've not said anything about Mourinho, so I'm keeping, I'm keeping quiet. But, it, you know, it, it has got, let's, let's put it this way, it's got ugly at the end of the day. And uh, that's going to be a huge game. It's a bit of turn into, turning into a grudge match, which is probably just how Mourinho likes it, isn't it? Uh, coming up in part two, we're going to talk about Osvenskan. We're going to answer your listener questions in both leagues and look a little bit ahead to the weekend's games as well, just briefly. So stay tuned, and we'll be back in part two. Don't forget, of course, as well, if you want more Norwegian football uh, content, 
Uh, every single team has been previewed in the preseason podcast. So we've talked about every single team in that. Don't, do go back. It's only a week old. And <laughs> there's plenty that we talked about, isn't there? Hours and hours of worth of content in those in those, um, in those episodes. So do go back if you haven't and let us know what you think. We'll be back in part two. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan for Dubber. Coming up at the end of this episode, all your questions answered this week. There were loads of them sent in. Thank you very much for those. So we look forward to that at the end. But uh, now we're going to be talking about our Svenskin matters. And Jonathan, um, just looking at the table now, actually, four teams with a 100% record. Marty Sifuentes' Hammerby lead the way on goal difference after a thumping 5-1 win over Sundsvall in round two. So... Thoughts so far about uh, this Osvenskin season and how impressed are you with Hammerby at the moment? Yeah, very impressed, I have to say. Um, opening game, you know, they were okay. Uh, got, got, you know, got a solid win. But second game, you know, just, just game just most recently at Gustafsson's father, they were very impressive. They, they actually tore them apart, to be honest. Um, some, some will argue that, you know, maybe... Uh, the scoreline didn't reflect, you know, the, the 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 flow of the game in terms of, you know, maybe it was a little bit harsh on 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 Gifsunfall in a way. Um, but to, to be honest, I thought that the way the way they pressed the ball uh, high up the field, you could see a real you could see a real unity in Hammerby. I was that, that impressed me. I have to say, um, absolutely took apart, uh, absolutely took apart Gifsunfall away from home. Of course, first game of the season, they got a narrow two one win. Over Helsingborg, uh, Williot Swedberg and Gustav Ludvigsen with the goals. Uh, Williot Swedberg with a nice sort of tap in. He's one of our ten to watch, or Svenskan ten to watch on the on the Patreon. Um, and Alham Lawi uh, got one back for Helsingborg, but it was like sort of a narrow win. Did look quite good, Hammerby at times, but you know still showed signs of maybe you know conceding goals and, and things like that. But in, in this game at the weekend, I have to say they really turned it on, turned on the style in a big way. Nahir Basara got two goals. Edwin Kurtulus and Swedberg again uh, was on the score sheet. So, yeah, and a very, very impressive win. Saku Latuba got one back for, for Gissensvall. But, yeah, like, like I say, Steve, you know, sometimes with teams, you get a sort of sense that they're, um, they're building something. And, and I thought the way that they were in transitions, I thought the way they were in and out of possession, you could, you could sort of see, you could see good coaching. And, you know, I already seen from the cup game, some of the cup games, the Swedish cup games earlier before, you know, in pre-season. That they look like they had signs of, uh, you know, a well-coached team, and uh, nothing changed my mind in this match. They were re- very, very impressive. Yes, I have to say, um, Marty Sifuentes has always, certainly down the years, impressed me as a manager and a coach, and it doesn't surprise me to see him go well at Hamburg here. So uh, they've started well. Hecken have certainly started very well too, haven't they? And I remember last season you you said you know they're going to be second place they could be the dark horse for the title. Maybe you were one year too soon on them, Jonathan, um, because uh, they're certainly out of the blocks quickly here. Yeah, I don't think they'll be. You know, I don't think they'll be anywhere near the title. I think I, um, did I predict them second last year? It kind of seems like a weird dream. 
Like, you know, they were so bad at the start of the season. It almost feels weird. But, you know, a lot of people tip them to, to win a title. Uh, you know, go yeah, I mean, you weren't the only one, in fairness. No, no, it wasn't like a random prediction. I was actually, some people even had them for the title to win it. So, you know, it was um, the way they collapsed was was quite alarming, really. But, uh, yeah, the good start for them. I'm not getting carried away because, as I said, you know, they, they kind of, uh, you know, they had a lot of hype at the beginning of last season and, and sort of fell away. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hype them now. Um, the, the start of the season, obviously, with a massive win against um, against AIK, that was a big upset. Actually, I was surprised by that. Four two, a Alexander Yeremi of hat trick, and uh, Oscar Udenas, and then obviously Nabil Bahui and Ayari uh, got goals back for AIK. But uh, they really performed well in that in that game. Uh, Beko Hakan, you know, really offensive, very dangerous on the ball. Uh, and really stunned AIK, who you know usually don't concede many goals. So to concede four, it was it was quite shocking. I think in the year that they won the title, they only conceded sixteen goals. I think in thirty games, so that's that's twenty five percent of that one match. Uh, it was many years ago now, but you know it just gives you a bit of an insight into how how good their defense has been historically in the past sort of five years or so. Um, but Beko Hakan then followed out with a two one win at Degerfors. Now this this might not sound like a uh, quite a big win, but I thought it was very impressive because they were, Jeremy F was missing the game with an illness and they had a couple of other injuries, people missing from the match. So I was, um, you know, when the news came out, Jeremy F wasn't playing, you thought to yourself, well, maybe, you know, that's, that's a big, big loss for them. But it showed that they maybe have a, a decent squad as well. Uh, Ibrahim Sadiq got two goals, looks a decent talent, he does. And um, yeah, they, you know, again, they had that sort of attacking style, looked quite, quite prominent, you know, looked like they could even maybe have scored a couple more. Uh, on the break and things like that. So, um, you know, Degafors aren't necessarily the best team defensively in general, but, but you know, you've still got to beat what's in front of you. So, yeah, v- very impressive start to this this season from Beko, I can have to say. Yeah, Degafors um, have actually run into two good teams, haven't they, in their first couple of games? And um, it might actually surprise a few teams when they start to get a, a more softer fixture schedule i'm actually going to run through the results from round two um fairly low might, might want to start with round one maybe. Not round one even yes we've <laughs> forgot about that you'll start with round one your garden beat dagger force three one uh mialbi went to elsborg and won two nil if court yotaburg two varnamo one kalmar nil malmo one norshipping nil varberg one sirius two sunsval one hecken four i core two and Hammerby beat Helsingborg two goals to one. The second round was actually fairly low scoring apart from that Hammerby game. Hammerby won 5-1 in Sundsvall. 2-1 win for Hecken against Degerforge. Kalmar with a 3-0 success against uh, Varberg. And then Mialbi won. You've got a nil. A bit of a shock, that, really. Helsingborg nil. EF Koyotaborg won. There was a bit of fisticuffs in that, wasn't there, Jonathan? I saw you tweet that. And uh, I call one Norshipping nil, Varnamo nil, Sirius nil on Monday evening. And Malmo uh, held the defending champions to a one-all draw against Elfsborg. So, yeah, not so, quite a few tight games in round two, uh, Jonathan, really, uh, in this game. Melby with one of them, a one-nil win against uh, Jorgarten there. And they back, I mean, two, a win, two wins against Elfsborg and Jorgarten. That's dead impressive, isn't it? Yeah, they've started the season very strongly. Obviously, good friend of the podcast, Anders Torstensen, stepped down in the last season. And uh, they've got a new coach in, and, and it doesn't really look like they, uh, you know, they're willing to slow down 
to be honest, um, you know, massive wins really. The, the you know, I caught some of the game against the Garden. Your Garden did actually dominate the ball and, and kind of just couldn't, you know, that deep block of Mialbis, they just couldn't break it down. Um, they struggled in attacking areas and just couldn't really, you know, Mialbis were putting their bodies on the line, clearing, blocking, you know, really like dedicated to defending their box. Um, and, you know, Andreas Brandstrom will be very happy with how things went, to be honest, in that game. Um, they also look quite quite like the decent going forward, to be fair to them. You know, Mamadou Moro scored in both games. He's looked he's looked very, very lively, the 27-year-old. Um, you know, in the box, he took his goal, took his goal brilliantly against Uganda for the winner. You know, kind of unexpected, but the way he took it was very nice. They've also got a few players who are looking good in midfield as well. So it's not like it's not like they're just a, you know, um it's not like I mean Burnley would be maybe an interesting comparison, but it's not like they're just talentless. You know, they're very, very good defensively, like so well drilled, so strong defensively. They've got a lot of good young, uh, they've got, got a lot of, sorry, they've got a lot a lot of good players in defence. You know, strong players. Carlos Morris Gracia, you know, he was part of that team that nearly broke the old Svenskan clean sheet record last season. He's almost too good for Svenskan in a way, or too good to be a, a team like Mialbi, you could argue. Um, they've got a lot of solid defenders who will throw their body on the line, but they're, they're not, like I say, a team of cloggers who just can't do anything with the ball. When they're on it, they look quite decent. You know, I have to say um, players like uh, Otto Rosengren, I quite like him, the young youngster, and a few others in in that in that midfield. So, yeah, that they're not, you know, they're not a team. They're not a sort of uh, team that can't play football. I, I don't think that. To be honest, I think when you, if you give them the possession, they can they can build something against Elsborg. That two 0 win on the opening day, uh, sorry, on the opening weekend. You know, I actually thought for spells of it, they looked really really dangerous. You know, Lothfis and Morrow got the goals, but. You know the, the 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 second goal, for example, was was a brilliant goal. You know, counter attacking and really nice. So it's not like they're a team that just can't can't play the ball around. They they matched Elsborg at times. You know, pound for pound in terms of possession, uh, what they did with it. So no, I mean, I'll be a team to watch. To be fair, they've they've really impressed me. Yeah, and I'm just going to quickly talk about a bit of our Svenskan fantasy here, uh, and I just want to congratulate uh, Mikael Tilberg, who's currently top of the NFP. Fantasy League on 143 points, just um, just six points between me and you at the moment, Jonathan. By the way, and not you had a good round there with with Basara. But uh, in terms of fantasy assets for Mialbi, I can already see that over 23 percent are have took Morrow into their side. Embarrassingly, for a, a team that I love, I don't actually have a Mialbi player in my fantasy squad. So should I be adding one? Yes, I think you should. Um, you know, let's not forget, Steve. Elsborg away, your garden at home is probably about as difficult a start to the season as you can get. You couldn't get you couldn't get a tougher start, really. Uh, for them to get six points from that is actually absolutely incredible, I have to say. You know, and the expected goals and the expected goals for the game against your garden was only 0.32, but the way uh, Moro took his goal was was, was sensational. And um, as I say, against uh, against Elsborg, Elsborg had 60% possession. But um, what 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 Miyabi did with the ball was was decent. You know, 75% completion rate on the ball, uh, 245 accurate passes. So you know, I'm not saying they have a huge amount of uh, possession or whatever, but they when they have it, they're not they're not terrible with it. Uh, against Diff, it went down a bit there with that percentage because they they kind of were happy to just lump the ball up and you know get rid of it kind of thing. Because Jurgen did did pressure them. The likes of Haksabanovic, you know, they were looking lively, but you know, Jurgen have got a lot of strong attacking players. So to keep a clean sheet is really really impressive. You know, if you look at their next game, I mean, I think this next game will be <laughs> the big test for them. 
this Friday they got me out, they got Hammerby away. So big top of the table clash that one between the two of them. And I think that would be the biggest test they can face at the moment, you know. And I think we'll learn a lot about Hammerby as well. If they sort of batter Miaoui, then you really might sit up and be like, hang on a minute, you know, this team's here to stay. If they can't get anything past Miaoui, then then maybe, you know, we re reassess, you know, what, what are they going to do this season? Because Hammerby are always a team where, you know, maybe top six, top seven, but not not have you know, they're kind of flattered to deceive in, in recent seasons. Um, you know, and let's not forget Miaoui finished ninth last year, so they're kind of mid-table as well themselves. So, they, they, you know, they beat... They beat Hammerby at home last season and away from home, uh, Hammerby won 2-0. It was an early game as well. But uh, Akin Kumiamu scored in that one. He's obviously left. So we'll learn a lot about Miaoui, I think, this weekend. In terms of fantasy, well, there's a lot of assets you could have in, the, in your team. Obviously, uh, <laughs> Morris and Chrisak are the two ones that a lot of people have. Ivan Chrisak, 4.5 million. Uh, Noah Isla started really well as well, 4.6. So, you know, if you had Miyabi defenders in your team this first two game weeks, you were absolutely laughing all the way to the bank, points bank. Um, but, you know, I've got my Mamadou Moro in my team. So, uh, you know, at 5 million, I think that's fantastic value. Price is already going up. So, but then again, there's a lot of top-heavy strikers. This league is quite a top-heavy in strikers, isn't it? There's there's the likes of Selmani, Edvardsson, uh, Marcus Berg, Keith Tellin, Jordan Larson looked good at the weekend so many strikers to, to pick in your team so um there's a lot of options but yeah i think miyabi all i'll say is that they, they they look good at the moment so you know um i wouldn't be against having them in your team let's put it that way i really am gonna have to look here at some miyabi players they got a tough one against hammerby so i'm not sure i will have the balls to add anyone for this round they've got three nice soft fixtures after that before they uh, go to malmo away but they won there last year didn't they so yeah. <laughs> the sort of game they like but um yes i'll be so far very uh very impressive indeed another team with the 100 record and i can't believe i'm actually saying this is ef core yotteborg probably the best start they've ever made since we've been doing these podcasts i think two wins out of two for them all right they maybe haven't beaten beaten much so far i'm not even sure they've actually looked that impressive i mean look, i was looking at the xg stats for their games and they've both been pretty similar in terms of very equal games anyway against uh promoted sides but hey six points on the board ef core fans are not going to be moaning are they um are you impressed or are they well, there's going to be some bigger challenges to come shortly uh no i've not been massively impressed i mean highest xg in the league at the moment after two games is hacken 6.8 that's incredible xg um, and you compare them against their Gothen Gothenburg rivals, Jotterburg are kind of near the bottom, 1.86 XG. Uh, so even though they've scored three goals, they're not really creating a huge amount, but they do have one big weapon in their team, and that is Marcus Berg, you know, pound for pound. Is he the best player in, is he the best striker in the league, even? You could argue, or is he the best player in the league? You could argue. I mean, he's had a fantastic career, and... Maybe there's an argument to be made that he 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 is the best player, one of the best players in the league. He's a difference maker, and that's what he's done in his first two games this season. You know, he he got the um, got the winner, uh, of course, in their game uh, against Helsingborg, obviously, and in the first match, of course, he he set up the winner. Uh, so he, he's looked all right so far. You know, got an assist um, and and scored one as well. Sorry, so he, he's he's you know he, he's firing. And obviously they beat Varnamo 2-1 in the opener, but, you know, Varnamo at home, you, 
it's a, it's a fairly comfortable game. You should be winning that sort of game, I think, if you're EF Core, Jotterborg. And then, um, you know, they, they followed that with a sort of a, a decent win against Helsingborg, who struggled. <laughs> you mentioned the fights. There was fights on the pitch and off the pitch. I don't know if you saw the actual follow-up tweet I put out, but there was massive rucks uh, outside the stadium before the game. Helsingborg, Helsingborg have got a bit of an element in among their fan base. They're a bit, they're a bit naughty. You know, I think they'd quite enjoy playing in England, you know, like the championship or something, because, you know, they'd like to have a ruck with Mill or whoever else. You know, they seem to, if you go and look at that video that we posted it on Twitter, uh, just go through the timeline at Nordic Footpod. Um, there's like people running around the streets. You think it's like an army or something. People running around beating each other up. Like it's, it's kind of crazy scenes. And it, it, it went onto the pitch. Hossam Aish got into a bit of a scrap with uh, Armin Cicevic, who's back at Helsingborg, of course. Uh, it was a bit of a scrappy game. Really good atmosphere, to be fair. Helsingborg have got good fans, you know. So it's a they are an Osvenskan club, really. You know, they've got a good fan base, and um, it was a lively atmosphere, you know, well supported. Um, but EFCO managed to get the win. But you know, let's face it, they've played two promoted sides. We haven't, we don't know enough about EFCO yet. We will learn a lot about them this weekend because they, we have the Gothenburg derby on Sunday. Beckelhack and Jotterborg, one of the big games in the calendar. Uh, if I was there, I'd be definitely watching this one. This is a uh, a tasty, tasty game. I've never, been, I've never been to a derby actually, but uh, this will be a great game to watch. So um, we'll learn a lot, I think, about where both teams are in this match. Yeah, I think we will, won't we? And uh, yeah, Helsingborg, they often seem to be involved in these sort of kerfuffles, don't they? Um, certainly a fan base that uh, like to uh, express themselves. Let's just say that. Hey, Jonathan. Um, now, I saw a tweet of yours uh, this week about uh, a retiring member of uh, the EF Core Gothenburg uh, staff. And uh, I know you've got a few things to, to say about uh, this, Jonathan, so uh, fire away. Yeah, I mean, the big news in, in Gothenburg, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of restructuring going on behind the scenes at EF Core, and uh, it came out this past week or so. It's been revealed that uh, EF Core Jotterborg um, Scout Chief Scout Ole Sultan will be retiring in the summer, and they're now looking at a replacement. It's looking like North Shopping's Chief Scout Stig Torbjörnsson is the favourite and might even get the job. Uh, Torbjörnsson, to be fair to him, he's he's got a bit of a track record now and a big reputation. You know, scouting the likes of Adik Benro, for example, who they signed for I think a hundred thousand pounds and sold for about three million in a year, and he was all all Svenskan top scorer, and, and just in general, Haxabanovic. You know, they, they they've made a lot of money North Shopping uh, off their scouting in the past two three years. That's put him as the main man, maybe to get the to get the EF Core job. So it'd be a big, you know, maybe a big appointment for EF Core. But I have to talk about Ole Sultan, uh, Steve, because he is an absolute club legend of that football club. And now I want to tell a bit of a story because um, obviously people who follow the podcast and maybe know me, uh, I, you know, obviously now I spent time in, in Gothenburg and I moved out there. And I'll never forget when I uh, went out there. Obviously, I went out and I was like looking for a team. You know, I was living in Gothenburg and I was like, right, I, I want to know all the local teams. I want to get to know people, you know, in the football world because obviously that's that's my passion. Started emailing clubs, you know, and saying, you know, can I have a meeting? Is there a way I can help you? Can we work together? Can I help you scout? Whatever. Um, only player, to, only sorry, only uh, only person to reply to me at that time was uh, Ole Sultan of EF Core Jotterburg. He got back to me and he invited me for a cup of. Uh, he invited me for a. Uh, he invited me to come and meet him at the clubs premises and I'll never forget this I sort of dressed up I was like wow I'm gonna go to EF Core Jotterberg and meet, meet their chief, chief scout and uh the funniest there's two parts to this funny story the first part is I got I got lost in the woods on the way there now I, I took a bus right and I was wearing these really comfortable I posted it on Instagram I might even I might even get the video out at some point I was wearing these really smart shoes right Steve 
and I got to the end of the, I got to the tram train station tram station anyway to go to the tram system and I realized I was like wait a minute I've got like about a mile walk from here and uh you know I didn't want to didn't want to spend money on the taxi or whatever because it was quite expensive to be fair but in hindsight I probably should have because I've got this big meeting I'm, I'm in a suit right I'm in, like, I'm in like a suit jacket and a really smart shoes I ended up having to walk because EF Core Yotterberg Camrat Garden is like in the middle of nowhere it's basically like in some field, around the back of some field, basically. It's in the sort of middle of nowhere in Gothenburg. I ended up having to walk. I went the completely wrong way, but I ended up having to walk through the woods. And we're talking like Gothenburg. I think it was like October, November, rainy, snowy. I was walking through like the middle of the forests. Like my shoes are absolutely soaked, drenched, like covered in mud. You know what I mean? They looked, I looked, I looked an absolute disgrace to be honest. And, um, <laughs> I had to stop. I had to stop. A, I had to stop and ask a farmer, like, "Where, where am I?" <laughs> right. This is how ridiculous it was. Sounds like you're in Yorkshire. Yeah, I was. I, I had to stop, and there was this local farmer with a bunch of horses, and I was like, "Sorry, uh, do you know where you have called Gothenburg is? <laughs> like where their home premises are?" Anyway, I managed to eventually point him in the right direction. I was thinking this guy could like kill me or something. I'm in the middle, of, the middle of a forest, like open for like no one around from for miles. I was like, you know, for, I was like, getting a bit worried. Like, where the hell am I? He pointed me in the right direction anyway, and um. I ended up going there, had a meeting with him on the Sultan. And he's just the nicest guy, honestly. Such a, a wonderful person, uh, such a warm soul, such a nice person. He, he welcomed me into the club. We had a good chat. We were talking about like the old days. He's a he's a Liverpool fan. He was talking about sort of the, the Liverpool years. And I was telling him about when obviously when Manchester United played the F Koyotaburg in the nineties. They have like a you know, they have one of the pat flags or whatever, what they call the things they exchange at the kickoff. Yeah. Uh... One of them in the club uh, office. Um, he introduced me to the manager at the time. It was Jorgen Lennartson. And then I'll never forget, just want to tell a little bit of a story. When, when I first got there, he was like, can I offer you anything? And uh, me being a sort of Englishman, I was like, yeah, can I, have a, can I have a cup of tea, please? And I'll never forget, Ole Sultan just burst out laughing. He's like laughing. I mean, we never met before. He just laughed, started burst out laughing. He's like, you Englishman. And he just started laughing at me, like, because it was such a, I guess, like everyone in the club drinks coffee or whatever, but. He, was, he couldn't get over it. He kept laughing the whole meeting. I was just laughing at it. And he, he went to the kitchen and he was like, oh, uh, there was no tea, basically. So in the end, I think I had a green tea. Or they had like a green tea. But I was, he was like, what kind of coffee? I was like, uh, English breakfast. And he just kept laughing and laughing like, you know, you're a typical Englishman, you know what I mean? And uh, ever since that day, like, we've kept in touch. He's a, he's a really like, lovely guy. He came to England and we went to a game at one point a couple of years ago before the pandemic. And uh, I just wanted to say that because, you know, he's a retiring legend. He's been at the club, I think, more than 20, 20 years and um, done a lot of good scouting for that, that, that club. He, he found a lot of good players. I remember, for example, them finding Kiri Ishvili. He was, he was the one behind scouting them. Um, and many, many players over the years he's found at, at that club. And I just wanted to give him a shout out because he's a, a wonderful person and he'll be sorely missed at EF Boy Otterbox. So uh, happy retirement, Mr. Sultan. It's always been a pleasure knowing you and uh, take care of yourself. And I wish you a comfortable retirement. We certainly do uh, wish him well for retirement there. And I've got visions of you going through these forests and getting attacked by a bear or something and <laughs> whatever's out there, uh, a wolverine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, just to recap, Oli Sultan's been at the club since 1990. Um, so, you know, he's a legend of the club. Like, that's, that's a long time, that's, you know, 30 plus years. He's found the likes of Lassa Viba, Haitam, Haitam Ali Sami. He's done huge amounts of scouting in the past. He really no knows his football. And uh, yeah, it was worth getting lost in the field. But it, you've got to bear in mind, Steve, when I turned up, my shoes were like covered in mud. I looked, I looked, I looked like a complete mess. Like uh, I had to ask someone for like a tissue to wipe my shoes um, before the meeting. But it was like, I'll never forget that, that first meeting with him because it was just such a funny, funny oh, meeting. Man. But yeah, it's, uh, 
you know, I hope he has a great retirement. And obviously, he's still there now, and they've got a big derby this weekend. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna move to some questions soon, but game of the round in terms of the big fixture probably was Malmo against Elspork Monday evening. It's ended in a one-all draw. Uh, Jonathan, that that result surprised you a little bit. Not really. Um, I haven't actually caught this game, to be honest. I saw bits of it, but uh, Elfsburg are, are a good team. And that's why it was so surprising that Mialbi went there to their place and beat them 2-0. Really, that really shocked me, that one. Um, Malmo aren't quite at the races at the moment. And uh, I think their manager has come out and sort of criticised the perform- the first two performances, even, even the first game at Kalmar. You know, Kalmar dominated that game possession-wise, um, as they do. But um, yeah, yeah uh, sorry, Malmo did enough to get the win. Uh, they're actually booed off the pitch um, after this game. So really? that, that tells you a little bit about Malmo's start to this season. They were booed. And uh, yeah, so the, the managers come out and said, obviously, Berman Savage scored a goal and then, um, you know, the Elspur got back into the match. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's the first time they've dropped points this season, but still there's big expectations this year. And I think that... Um, you know, the, the fans weren't happy with it, to be honest. De- Elsborg defended quite well, even though they did concede a goal, but, you know, they, look, they looked okay. Um, but, yeah, there was those boos. And, um, you know, there's there's not there's not happiness at the moment amongst them. And one, one other interesting point on this, Steve, uh, guess who was at the game? You know, well, you won't guess, but... <laughs> <laughs> Go on, man. Who's that? Les Ferdinand. Really? Yeah, now he's the club technical director at QPR. He was at this game scouting and he's been interviewed uh, during the game. Obviously, the, the cameras caught him and the, the media <laughs> asked him, "Who? why are you here? Who are you here to watch? Obviously, keeping his cards close to his chest, he, he didn't say anything. He just said, I'm here to just here to have a look. He, he mentioned that he's watching one player from Malmo, one player from Elsborg. So uh, who knows? Could it be your friend Larson? Could it be your friend Larson even maybe? Who knows? But um you know, people are speculating, of course, Berman Say, which might be one. Uh, trying to think who else, maybe if, if he went for a young player, maybe he, he might have spotted Hugo Larson, who came off the bench, uh, the young 17-year-old who, who's got a bright future. I've talked about him, in, you know, um, in the preseason podcast a little bit. Uh, so um, who knows who he's watching? Elsborg have a lot of good young players as well, by the way. So, you know, uh, probably a decent game to go to, which I'm kind of jealous of him. Um, Milojevic after the game said, I feel that after we went one and up, we lost some intensity uh, and we were satisfied with what we have instead of going to kill the match. It was a bit in between. We were no better than that and we deserved a point. So it was a fair result. Uh, and he said he's disappointed. Um, and he said, we, stuck, we haven't started our season at our level. This is something that we need to change. Uh, so, you know, it's not all, not all sky and uh, blue skies and roses for, for Malmo at this moment in time. No, but I mean, one or drops not too bad for them, and a good point for for Elfsborg as well. So, um, well, let's move on to the questions then. We've had a lot of questions this week from the listeners, and um, or on Twitter anyway, not necessarily listeners. They might just want to ask us something. We're going to start with one that's just come in literally as we're live here recording this from Team Overs. And Team Overs, thank you very much for your support of the podcast down the years we really appreciate it but it's question to both of us it seems uh so you're going to get first tips here jonathan what team would you like to see play in sweden or norway live i guess bucket list of stadiums teams you would like to see now you're fortunate enough to have been out there and uh, watched a lot of football but what is sort of left on that bucket list in sweden for you jonathan 
or Norway even? Uh, great question, Timo. And thanks, of course, for your loyal support. He's um, he's backed us a lot, uh, both on Patreon and um, and uh, and on the main pod. So I want to give a huge shout out to Timo. And obviously, thank you for interacting as you always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, always great to see you pop up in the comments. Uh, bucket list in Sweden definitely is get to a Stockholm derby. Never been to one. Um, in terms of atmosphere, probably best game I've been to was EF Core Malmo. That was a huge game in terms of fans, really exciting. But I've never, you know, I'd love to go to a Stockholm derby, uh, go and watch, for example, AIK Djurgården or, or you know Hammarby. That would be that would be fantastic. Um, I've never actually been to a game in, in Stockholm, uh, to be honest. So I've n- not seen any of those top teams live. Um, I'd love to go to a Gothenburg derby as well, of course. So uh, I think I think if you know if, if you're someone who's new to Swedish football, maybe and you, you don't know which teams you should go and watch and that kind of thing. Of course, ARK uh, are a huge club. I think they had twenty-seven thousand in their first game uh, against North Shopping at the weekend. Um, big fans, and you know they always have like tifos and things like that. It's always quite impressive to, to watch. Uh, I think if you Actually, Elfsborg have been a bit disappointing. Their attendances have been quite far down at the start of the season. They've got, they've got a little bit of criticism as well for it. don't know why that is. Norshopping as well had a lower attendance than normal in their opening day. Um, if you're in a big city like Stockholm, yeah, then, of course, you know, Hammerby, AIK and Djurgården are very well supported. So if you go to a home game, you're always going to enjoy that. Uh, if you fancy something maybe a bit different, maybe get yourself up to the north, go and watch Gissundsvall or something like that. You know, it would be very cold. Um, you can enjoy that. It's a completely different vibe. Um, but yeah, obviously Malmo, of course, as well. You know, how, how can you forget Malmo? EF Core is a fantastic ground when you go to it. You know, um, when it's when it's pumping, the fans are really good. Uh, Beckel Hacken's a very tight ground, a bit different. I've said it before in this pod. Uh, only game I've ever been to where you they have a couch outside, inside the stadium, sorry, within the bowels of the stadium. And you can sit down and play FIFA. Uh, and they give you free popcorn and stuff like that. So, you know, the only game I've ever been to where I've sat there just playing FIFA and having free popcorn. <laughs> Unbelievable scenes. You could have sat there all day and just missed the game. <laughs> but uh, so they're a very different vibe, family club hacking. Um, very, very nice club, actually. Um, but yeah, those are the sort of big teams, I would say. And Helsingborg, actually, a decent, well-supported club as well. If you ever wanted to get to a Helsingborg-Malmo derby, uh, I'm pretty sure, I mean, as long as you've got your, you know, your protective armour, because uh, the way Helsingborg fans are acting in, <laughs> in, in the, at that weekend... Um, I'm sure there'll be a few fights in that one because they, they don't like each other, Helsingborg and Malmö. So hopefully that gives a bit of a, an answer. Yeah, my answer would be, to, I, I would like to go to the north of Norway. Tromsø, Budaglimt, Rosenborg as well, to be fair. Places like Molde and Arlesund. Probably the only sort of match in the in the south that I would really be interested in, I think would be the uh, Oslo derby, where Volleringer Lillestrøm. But uh, I've always wanted to go well up north. I was actually jealous. There's a guy in my pub pool team who went on a cruise to see the uh, Northern Lights, and one of the, he actually docked in Tromso. Wow! And I didn't actually say it to him, but I was bloody jealous, to be honest with you, that he's been there. <laughs> so yeah, that definitely up north is is what I would, I would love to see, like Budaglim Tromso. Um, I do have a thing for northern teams. Like if Sweden, I would definitely go to GIF or anywhere that's further north that's in the lower leagues. That's the northern. That's the northerner in you, isn't it? Just generally. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I really think so, yeah, Jonathan. Yeah, for sure. Apart from that, Mialbi. Um But uh, yes, next question for you. And this was actually part of our itinerary, but I skipped it on the itinerary because I knew I was going to ask, ask this question. Uh, it's from Cole at Roller. 
father. Thank you very much for your question. I don't think we've ever had one from you before, but uh, thanks again. It's obviously early, but should Norshipping be concerned by these early results? Two losses and no goals in league play, despite massively outpossessing and outchancing the opposition. Norshipping, talk to me about them. Thank you to Cole. He's based in Michigan, according to his Twitter bio. So, um, yeah, that's great to have a, a, a listener from the States. Uh Yes, I would be concerned about North Shopping. If you if you follow us on Patreon and back us on Patreon, we my my one tip for this weekend was AIK to beat North Shopping, um, and it came in. By the way, I'm four out of four now, 100% success rate so far this season. So stay tuned this week. Uh, it means you know maybe I can keep it going, but obviously yeah, the pressure's on now. Um, but I'm very happy with that 100% prediction rate so far. I've got every prediction right, and of course your 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 um. You've only got one wrong as well. So, you know, we're on 88%, as I mentioned. But uh, I'm worried about North Shopping. That was the reason I backed AIK. I thought that they were very poor in the first game against Varberg. Um, yes, they had, you know, yes, they had chances, but Varberg really, you know, came away with a clean sheet and the mistake for the goal was a horrendous mistake uh, from Theodore Rask. So all is not really well at North Shopping. Um, there's a little bit of maybe question marks around Rickard Norling at this moment in time. Fans... A little bit disgruntled. They've lost a lot of players in in the window. Salem Eddie Benro, top league goal scorer, he's gone. They've also lost other players like Aksabanovic over the last sort of six months. Generally speaking, like I said in the in the preseason show, their their transfer business, they've they've lost, they've done really amazing scouting. They like I mentioned, they've they've made a lot of money. But with that comes a cost. You know, they've lost Alexander Franson, of course. Um, you know, he's a title winner with the club. He's gone to Greece. Um I, Isak Bergman Johansson, we talked about him so much a couple of seasons ago, and he was in my tent to watch last year. He's now gone to FC Copenhagen. He's gone. Huge talent he is, 19-year-old. Um, so sometimes you lose the balance between, you know, you spend too much money on players. And I think that's kind of where they are. They've, they've almost they've almost done too well. If we look at some of the players they've lost, you know, Pontus Almquist as well, a while back. You know, Eric Smith's gone. Uh, uh, Bergman Johansson, as I mentioned, Haksabanovic, Franson. Uh, Alec Benro, Carbjorn, Kalle Holmberg. There's a lot of players leaving uh, and it's hard for them to replace all of them. So I think that there is, you know, I think the transfer business wasn't, it was okay, but, you know, I didn't I didn't come out of it thinking it was amazing, to be honest. Obviously, Henrik Kastigan was left as well at the back. So they, they have lost a lot of players and I think they're in that period of time where they're trying to rebuild. So, um, yeah, I'm a bit worried about them. The other thing I have to say uh, and it's quite sad news, of course, um, that came out this week. Christopher Kazani, uh, we wish him all the best because it, it was announced that he'll be uh, stepping down from football indefinitely um, with what is reported as quite a serious illness. And, um, you know, the the hasn't been announced what, what, what the problem is exactly yet. But when, when it was announced, uh, Ricard Norling came out and was very despondent, said it's very, very serious. Um, the players as well. Kind of came out after the game against the ARK and, and said that you know they haven't even been able to train this week because they've been so so disappointed. Uh, so yeah, I'm a you know I don't I don't know exactly what's happened if I'll be honest. It's, I think they're keeping it close to their chest in terms of what, what he's been diagnosed with or what his, what his problem is. But it's clearly affected all the all the players and all the squad. Um, Ricard Norling said after the game it's been a terrible week. Uh, all the players warmed up with shirts with his name and number on it. Um, you know, he said, it's so bad, it's not true. Um, it's impressive that the players managed to focus and get a performance that is really good, considering what happened. Football comes second. Um, so he said, you know, sometimes you, you have to 
you have to handle the combination of the fact that it's about life and death and it's connected to the fact that you have to play football two or three days later as if nothing happened. It takes a lot out of you. Um, Jonathan Levi came out and said, it's awful. When I think about it, my stomach goes in knots. It really hurts. Um, yesterday was the first real training session we had this week uh, after everything that happened. Um, there's more to life than football. And, you know, it, from the sounds of it, it really sounds grim. I really hope it's not something too serious. But from the comments there, you can you can get in a picture of maybe uh, how bad it is. So um, obviously their minds are elsewhere at the moment. So you have to give them a little bit of leeway. Um, but you also have to admit they haven't really been great at the start of this season. They play Eurogarden this weekend and I think that'll be a, a tough game for them as well. So um, all our thoughts and prayers are with Christopher Gazzani at this moment in time, but uh, not a good start for North Shopping on or off the pitch. We wish Christopher all the best. Uh, very, very sad news indeed. Um, let's try and bring a bit more positivity now, Jonathan. Uh, a couple of questions I'm going to tie in together, actually. The first one from Varson. Thank you very much for your um, question. As always, another great uh, supporter of the podcast down the years. He asked, which player that has not been mentioned so far in the pod have you been most impressed with in the two games so far? Two rounds, I'm guessing. And then also Alex, uh, Alex80318823. Which player do you think has been the most promising so far in the Asvenskan? Uh, two most impressive players. Thank you to Wesson. Uh, I loved your comment, by the way, on YouTube. I am going to get back to you on that. Um, but I've <laughs> just been so busy uh, after the preseason podcast that I needed a break. But I will get back to you on that. We've had so much content in this past sort of 10 days. I think we've done at least 10 hours nearly of content. Uh, two best players I've seen so far that haven't mentioned um, in my 10 to watch anyway. Um, I think I mentioned them briefly on the preseason show, but I didn't go into much detail. Oscar Udenas, I think, at Hacken uh, has been magnificent at the start of this season. He's really stepped up. Uh, new signing for them, uh, come from Varnamo, I think it is, and I have to say he's looked um, he's looked very very good. Uh, done better than I expected. Maybe he's a 19-year-old left winger. Uh, last season, 22 games, six goals for Varnamo when they won obviously the promotion to the Super from the Super Eton, uh, and joined Beko Hacken on a free. He's done really well at the start of this campaign. So, uh, you know, well done to him. Um, looks lively in the opening game. I think he scored in his debut, didn't he, against Hacken? So, uh, and, and got an assist as well, goal and assist on his debut. And he followed it up in the uh, in the next game, looked fairly lively. Uh, you could also mention Ibrahim Sadiq as well at Hacken. You know, replaced Jeremy. I forgot two goals. So that, that was a fantastic start to him. He's from Right to Dream Academy, a young, young Ghanaian. Um, but the other lad I want to mention uh, that uh, has really impressed me is uh, Mialbi, actually, a centre midfielder called um, Otto Rosengren. Uh, I really like what I've seen of him so far. I thought in the Elspore game he was excellent. Um, he's an 18-year-old centre midfielder, and uh, I really like the look of him in that match. I haven't, you know, in, in, in the in the Uruguayan game, it's a little bit different, so it's hard to really judge him. But th those two are the players that have caught my eye at this early part of the season. Let's see how they get on, both young. And... Um, the other question did you mention was it from uh alex was it yeah alex yeah the, the most, most promising so far uh yeah well i'll stick with those three um ibrahim sadiq oscar Dennis, and uh my man uh otto rosengren those three have looked really really good at the start of this season there's there's loads and if you go on our tend to watch or svenskan tend to watch um obviously we on patreon we we've, we've done a huge analysis of them a video of, of 10 players to keep an eye on young talents 
But um, those three aren't in that tend to watch and they're players that have kind of looked quite good at the start of this season. Okay, next. So, uh, Lewis Dil Maida has actually asked us three questions. One of them's about Norway. He's got two about Sweden. And you've actually mostly answered uh, pretty much what he has been uh, on about. He specifically asked you about Sadiq there, which you've already uh, talked about. But he did briefly go on about Hecken. Uh, just briefly, how do you analyse things there? Since it's a very offensive team that could be great for the league. And also about Mialbi in terms of their start. Do you credit the Mialbi start to a, a solid system already established or something else? Yeah, thanks, Luis. Uh, De Almeida, always been a loyal follower. Uh, he always asks intelligent questions. He's got uh, quite a few questions here, three questions as well, so fair play. I've already sort of touched on Beko Hakan earlier in the show, so I won't, won't talk too long about that. I think they look, look good, but I think we'll learn a lot about them this weekend in the, in the big derby match. Um, he mentioned, obviously, Ibrahim Sadiq, who, who I've talked about. He says uh, could be a talk signing we'll talk about a lot this season. Potentially, he could. He, he took his goals really well against Degaforce. Uh, looks like a bit of a poacher. And um, I'll just read a comment, actually, on uh, on Sadiq um, that I, I didn't mention on the preseason show. But I, did, I, I talked about him a little bit, uh, but I didn't say too much. Obviously, he comes from Northland. He got six goals, four assists in 63 games for them. Um, he's a 21-year-old Ghanaian who can play right wing, left wing or, or up front. And um, Martin Eriksson, the sporting director at, at Bekwa Hakan, said he's a player with extreme speed and resilience, uh, has good technique, and he's had a great education at Right to Dream and Northland. So um, he says that he thinks he can hit top quality. So, you know, looks like he's got an all-round good background, Right to Dream. Anyone who's studied Right to Dream Academy knows that they really put a lot of effort into Ghanaian players, not just... Uh, on the pitch but also off it they help them get their education they really give them a good grounding in terms of human values it's just it's like a holistic academy then they don't just focus on players and selling them they actually invest into african talents and try and help them even get degrees and things like that you know there's players who haven't made it who've gone on to get phds and stuff like that so they really invest in their education and well-being um and sadiq's come through that academy so one to watch definitely in terms of me i'll be yeah i mean torstenson anders torstenson has laid the foundation there as I mentioned, they nearly broke the Osvenskan record for clean sheets, and he's just kept that. They've kept that going. Um, I think they're a team that could 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 impress a few this season. I don't think they, you know, I thought they'd be sort of lower mid table this season, but who who knows if they continue how they've started? They'll have a dip at some point. It's unnatural to do as well as they've started, but but let's see how it goes from there. Um, he also mentioned Silas and Wanko. I won't talk about that now, but I might talk about that on a future show. So, Louise, if you maybe ask that question again in future weeks, maybe we'll speak about that, maybe once he's played and, and things like that. Because um, I don't want to speculate too much about him at this moment in time without really seeing him. But, yeah, I think uh, the other, other one just thing I wanted to say, by the way, Steve, is, is Kalma. We haven't really talked about Kalma, but they've impressed me at the start of this season. And I just wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Ricardo Friedrich. What a save he made in the Varberg game. They won 3-0 at Varberg. Um, made a big penalty save, of course. And I know you I know you like him from his time mm. in Norway, but um, yeah, I hadn't quite mentioned him. So uh, for some reason, uh, Lewis's questions just reminded me of goal. He mentions goalkeepers, doesn't he? Um, obviously, Miabi lost their, their main goalkeeper. Um, I think, as he, as he said, they do have a solid system established. And I think Brandstrom will try and sort of develop it a little bit. Uh, I think Torstenson is still very close to the club. You know, I think he's still got a lot of contacts there. He's very popular. So I can see a continu continuation. And um, Miyabi is certainly a team to keep an eye on this year. Last question for you, then. It's from Paul, at Paul S1381. 
he's actually asking a couple of things. Uh, are Hammerby an outside bet for the Alsvenskan? And how do you rate the chances of Aikor keeping hold of Jordan Larson? Great questions, Paul. Thanks a lot for your support uh, and for getting in contact. It's a good shout, actually, Hammerby for the title. Um, let's see how they get on against Miyabi because I think we'll learn a little bit about both teams again there. You know, teams, obviously, there's a lot of teams that start well. You know, and Hammerby, you know, they tend to do okay at the beginning of seasons. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not like, you know, Sometimes they do all right, you know, the start of last season didn't go that well for them. But, you know, I've, I'm, I remember them in past seasons where they've kind of like battered teams and, you know, look really lively and you get sort of excited uh, and then it kind of all falls away. So I'm not going to sort of go overboard, um, but it's an exciting team. I think that if Martis and Fuentes can get the balance right in defence, then they really could be lively. And, and like that gives them that game. They looked a bit like a kind of a, a clock team, I have to say, in the way that they pressed. They really let, they didn't let uh, Gibson's Files defenders have any time on the ball at all. Really tried to close them down as much as they could. Pressed a lot. Obviously, in Sweden, we've got five substitutes, so they can they can kind of rotate a bit. They've got a, a decent squad. Um, you know, they can obviously when you're pressing with that intensity, if you can make five subs, then it's a good advantage, isn't it? Clock goes on about he wants to help the league and stuff like that. But I think any team that plays high press, being able to make five subs is a huge advantage because you can bring on fresh players to continue that style of play. And I think it will be a huge advantage for teams like Liverpool next year uh, in the Premier League. But yeah, I think it's a bit early to say win the title, but I do think if you can get value that they're an outside bet if Sifuentes continues the way he has started this season and moles that team, because they've got a huge amount of talent in that squad. You know, you've got Salmani, Ludvigsen, Basara, you've got uh, at the back, they've got solid players at the back. You know, they've got a really good squad, actually. Um you know, I'm just thinking of some of the other players that they've got. You know, Dovan in goal, I, I really like him. Uh, Sandberg, Curtis is a great signing. Bjorn Paulsen, a decent player. Swedberg is doing really, really well. Bojanic, they've got a really, they've got a really strong squad, actually. Um, and they haven't even brought in their, their new player, sort of Bubakar Chowali. You know, he's still kind of not ready to play yet. When he's there, that's another big weapon. So maybe, yeah. Um, keep an eye on it for sure. I don't know what the odds are, but certainly one to... So to keep an eye on. The only thing I say with Hammerby is they, they're not like a massive, they don't have a huge history in terms of winning winning the league. They're not they're not one of the most traditionally successful clubs in, in, in Sweden, uh, believe it or not, even though they are one of the biggest. You know, they've only won the league in their history. Um, I think it's, I'm not sure how many times, but it's not, not many. I'm just checking now, actually. Is it one or twice? Um, pretty sure it's once, yeah. They've only won the league once in their history in 2001. So... They don't have that tradition of winning titles and they are kind of in Stockholm, they get ridiculed a bit for it because they kind of, um, you know, they tend to bottle it and Jurgarden and AIK kind of laugh at them as their smaller, big, smaller brother. But let's see how it goes. And just in terms of um, Jordan Larson, he, started, he made a good debut and I saw some comments from AIK fans saying that they think that, you know, he might fall in love with the club and kind of maybe decide to stay. Let's see how it goes because he, I don't only think he's too good for Sweden. I think he's almost too good to be in Russia almost. I think he could actually go to uh, a top five league and and be good. You know, maybe even better than Netherlands. Maybe he could. I could see him in somewhere like Portugal. I mean, I'm not saying Portugal's in the top five leagues, but um, or Scotland, somewhere like that. I could you know imagine maybe live his father's legacy and go back to Celtic. Maybe for example, um, there's, there'll be a lot of clubs that would like him. So I think Aik might find it hard to keep him. He's he's almost completed Osvenskan. 
you know, when he was at North Shopping, he was he was brilliant. So I just wonder if like maybe he might feel like is he really want to stick around in North Fenskan? Uh, he's only back temporarily because of obviously the the situation in Russia. Um, but I would imagine he'd want a bigger move. Um, but but you never know obviously how it goes. The situation in Russia, it's hard to predict. And you know if no one comes in in the summer for him, then he's got to prove himself, hasn't he, for the next few months? So uh, let's see how it goes with him. But at this level, he's he's a he's definitely top three, top four striker in the league. Excellent stuff. And, and one more question from me. Are you satisfied with your start to Osvenskan Fantasy this season, Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I'm happy. Uh, had a good week this week. I know you're still ahead of me, so I'll never be satisfied while I'm below you in the table. Uh, you got advice and bailed you out as your captain, I saw. So um, I'm disappointed in Keith Telling as my captain this week didn't score. So... Um, you know, but he's a still a top player, isn't he? So I expect him to get goals. But uh, while I'm below you, my friend, I'll never be 100% satisfied. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, but I don't think I've had a too, too bad a start. So uh, one thing's for sure this season, Johan Larson is not going to get you over me because he's in my team. So uh, you're going to have to think of a plan B on that one. <laughs> I think you mean business this season. And um, I, I can feel your threat, not just on me, but maybe an assault on the Nordic Football Pod League. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm coming for fantasy this year. I, I want to, um, <laughs> I want revenge after that. And even in Norway, I'm kind of like trying to take it a little bit more seriously now. I'm, that's why I'm so happy I'm not in the bottom three. Because normally, I think the past two seasons, Stephen Norway, Elite to Serian Fantasy, I've forgotten to do my team the first week, and I'm playing catch up all year long. You know, I completely forget. And then, you know, once you miss one round, you basically, you basically screwed, aren't you? So, um, no, I'm happy that. I made a decent start in Norway. I'll keep an eye on you there. And I'll also keep an eye on you on the Nordic League. So, you know, I'm happy. Um, Basara was really good for me this week, 17 points. And anyone who's got him, obviously, will, will be satisfied with that. So um, let's move on to the Norway questions before we wrap up. Mm, yes, yes. That's a far away. Uh, so the first question we have from David Weatherston. Thank you so much for your question, David. Always see you on the on Twitter. It's great to get you um, uh, asking a question. He says, are Haugesson going down? I struggle to see three teams worse than them so far. Yeah, thanks, David, for that. And um, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. And um, I'm I'm very worried about Haugesson. First week against Sandefjord, they were absolutely shambolic. Uh, as bad as I've seen any any team in a half of football in, in Elite Serien for quite a long time. They could have been four or five down. Now, they actually put in a better performance against Valerenga at the weekend, lost 2-1. I mean, they couldn't have put anything worse in. But uh, the big concern for me for Hagerson is how poor they look defensively. Um, They are conceding chances left, right and centre. They can't win anything in the air at the back. They've conceded, I think, at least two headed goals and another goal which originated from a header. So if you've got a big lad up top... You are in business against Hargerson because the, the, the loss of Benjamin Hansen is, is massive for them to moulder there. They're just not winning dual, aerial duels enough. So it's a big concern. They did look better offensively against Volderenga. They actually should have certainly scored more than one goal against them. Just some poor finishing. So the one hope for them is they might be able to sort of score the way out of trouble. And they've got an interesting match against Godset, who Godset are terrible away from home. So they, they might actually win the, the next game. But, yeah, I am worried. Are they going down? Ooh, maybe. Maybe. I'm thinking sort of the playoff spot area 
for them this year. And um, yeah, right now it, it doesn't look like there are three worst teams in them. Yeah, in your in your preseason uh, podcast, you tip them to be twelfth. You did actually say to me, funny enough. So it's a great question from David. You did actually say to me off air. Uh, a couple of days ago, I think even before this weekend's round, you did say you worry about Haugus and they look they look flat. So um, great minds think alike, as they say. So thank you so much, David, for that question. Let's move on. We've got one from uh, Tipster Iluha, uh, Iluhan87, who I think is based in Berlin, is a, maybe a betting analyst. He's asked who can beat Glimt. Um, I mean, it's, we can speculate about which teams can beat them, Steve. Um, you, you've tipped Rosenborg to be second in the league. Just, just very briefly, like looking at um, upcoming games for Glimt, obviously they've got that big match against Roma, which we've talked about already. And I know you've, you've predicted them to win the league. Um, if there's someone that can kind of stop them, you know, let's say short term and long term, who, who, who could it be? Because next few games, they've got Wallerenga at home. Uh, then they've got uh, Viking away. You mentioned you like, quite like Viking. And then they've got Lillestrom at home. In the short term, can anyone stop them? And obviously, in the long term, can anyone stop them? And also, you know, this Knutson comments, could that rattle them a little bit? I think they're going to have a bit of a rough spell in the league in the next few weeks. Um, certainly, if they get past Roma, they've got semi-finals to think about. Um, they've got some tough matches. They've got Norwegian Cup semi-final against Viking, and I think they've got Viking in the league as well. They're going to lose a game somewhere in that run, probably multiple games. Um, and I, I said this in the season preview podcast, it could be a bit of a difficult first third of the campaign for them, but then they'll start to get settled in the summer again. In terms of long term, who can beat them? Uh, either of, I think, Mulder, Viking or Rosenborg could win the title this year. Um, certainly quite like what I've seen from Viking and, and Mulder and, and, and Rosenborg. I think um, we're going to talk about them soon with some questions uh, over the whole 30 games could accumulate quite a few points. So, yeah, they could get beaten, for sure, short and long term. But I think when all things said and done settled down, that they will be getting that gold medal again. I'll be honest, it's never a good sign when a manager starts talking about, um, thinking about walking away from the game. That is a big statement to be honest. That I've taken real notice of that. That is, um, that's quite worrying, I think, for the just, just general mindset. To go from that to sort of that, you know, is... Um, it's a bit of an insight, I think, into Knutson's mind. So we'll learn a lot in the next few weeks, like you said. Uh, that, that, that's a that would be a bit of a worrying comment for Glimp fans, I would imagine. I think I, I think the thing with Knutson, he, he he's not just about results and uh, ruthlessness and stuff. He's he, I think he considers a lot of stuff on a human level. You know, it's football's not like the be all end all, and I think that's what kind of rattled him with the Roma thing, and that he was shocked with. You know, Mourinho would result to such skullduggery. So, yeah, I think that it does kind of tell a lot about the person. You know, he's been linked with clubs before, but he stayed very loyal. So I think there's a very much a human element to Chetil Knudsen. Yes, indeed. I think um, worrying comments, but hopefully, you know, everything will be all right. And like you said, you know, been linked to clubs in the past. Maybe maybe that explains to a certain extent. You know, does he want to be in the, somewhere like the Premier League, where it's that like cutthroat environment, mm. a bit more, um, a bit more ruthless, if you know what I mean? Um, next question, Luis de Almeida. He's back. And he says, Tobias Borki was one of Rosenborg's standouts in this first two rounds. And it looks like much of what will be their year will pass through this, his game. Can you see some positives in Rosenborg after such a disappointing last year? 
and I'm just going to tie that into a, into another question, um, Steve, because I think we had another question about Boyoki, didn't we? Yeah, Anto uh, Burden. Yeah, uh, yesterday, in fact, yeah. Anto Burden, Anto B-R-D-N on Twitter. He was the first one in with his question, so thanks so much. What do you think about Tobias Bjorki? He looks very good, and I think he could be one of the best Rosenborg players this season. He's based in France, I believe, in Rouen. So um, what do you think about that? What do I think about uh, Rouen? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's for another podcast, but yeah, let, yeah. let's stick to Bjorki and Rosenborg. Yeah. I just want to add one more question to that as well from CJ, Odin's creation, the legend. Thoughts on RBK start to the season? Will this year be better than last for them? Well, you know, in that season preview, uh, season uh, preview podcast, I did predict Rosenborg the dizzy heights of fourth. Now, I, 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 in many ways, I've kind of not been impressed with them so far, but in many ways, I have. They've kind of been what I thought they'd be. They're they're, they're grinding out results. They're getting the results, and uh, I certainly think it will be a better season for them. Whether they finish as high as second is a bit dubious now, but. They could do over the 30-game season. As for Borkite, well, remember he was known as this wonder kid at Starbeck and got sold off to Denmark and uh, it didn't really work out there. But you know, Rosenborg did fork out, I think, six or £700,000 for him, uh, for his signing of him this winter. And, you know, he started with two good goals against Glimt. And I don't think we can expect goal that many goals from him. He's not known for his goal-scoring ability, but um, there was a fantastic hit to equalise against Buda Glimp. Really what he's in that side for is to bring a bit of bite to that midfield, really, in a lot of different ways. Um, whether or not he's adapting to become like a box-to-box midfielder, he, that could happen, perhaps. I would say he's more of a, not anchor man before, but sort of just sort of a defensive midfielder who gets stuck in and is a good tackler. So, you know, he's certainly bringing that bite to the midfield, but he seems to have more about his game nowadays than when he left the country initially for sure and uh, he certainly could be one of the top players at the end of the season if he continues in this vein of form and you know i did say in that preview podcast that he will be a key man for rosenborg this year so yeah i mean suddenly it's you know rosenborg get four points on the board and a lot of their fans are coming out of the woodwork and enjoying life again. And why not? Because I think they are a bit disrespected this year. It's a very good squad on paper. They've got a new manager who's got to be given some time. And it might not be pretty, but I think they have got they will have a strong mentality this year and and, and get grind out points. Brilliant stuff. That was um <clears throat> Odin's creation, wasn't it, as well? Yes. I believe, I believe he is the artist formerly known as Ted Cruz Ain't My Son. Mm. So if you are, give us a comment because uh, we miss you. We miss you, Ted. And thanks very much for that question. I believe he's a Rosenborg fan. Uh, that pretty much wraps it up, I think. There's no other questions we missed, is there, Steve? I think There's that's one it. more I want to answer from. It was from Chris Hilliam, who uh, I did promise that I would... It was from like two weeks ago, who asked uh, a question about Volarenga. I'm going to read it out now. Uh, any thoughts on Joachim Johnson? Uh, pointed to sporting director at Volerenga. How do you see that impacting for Goma and the club in general? It was a very good question because this guy was a prominent part of uh, Eurosport Norway and uh, quite prominent in that way. They were after uh, someone in this department and there were quite a few candidates that they looked at, but he was the supposedly the outstanding candidate, which who for Germo himself approved of personally to work with. And obviously 
have these things that are often said in statements, aren't they, that uh, to make it look nice and rosy. But I, I certainly suspect that Fagermo is on board with it. And um, he's now got a a big job to, I mean, sporting director is an interesting role. Exactly what do they do? I'm not entirely sure sometimes. I think it's a, a bit of everything, isn't it? It's um, a bit of recruitment in terms of analysis in other ways as well. So I said they kind of uh, maybe lacked a little bit of identity, didn't I, in the season pre uh, preview podcast, and maybe he can help them regain some um, in, in, in a lot of different ways. I think it's a positive move, really, for them. It gives them kind of an injection of something which they maybe needed. And, um, you know, they brought in Aaron Donham. And overall, I think it's uh, definitely a positive move for Valarenga. They... Um, they might uh, do a little bit better perhaps than I thought this year now, but um, yeah, if they can get some, another couple of players in, in the, uh, in the summer window and uh, start to progress and maybe in terms of football philosophy as well, he can make a difference for Germar, I said needed a little bit of modernizing and I think Johnson might give them that. So I'm optimistic for them with this appointment, John. Brilliant stuff. That'll be all for this week's show. Uh, grab us on patreon.com slash Podcast if you want to grab our 10 to watches and also the weekend betting preview. Uh, and also you can follow us on Twitter at Meatman Soccer. That's where you can find Steve and you can find me on Twitter at JF Football, J-F-F-U-T-B-O-L. Give us a shout out also on Twitter and Nordic Footpod and the YouTube channel. Don't forget Nordic Football Podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube if you like it. We're getting a good decent amount of followers now and some of the videos we're putting out um this season will will sort of help um you know put the face to a name and that kind of thing so um i hope you've enjoyed the show and that's pretty much it for this round keep an eye on buddha glimp roma that should be a great game uh and we'll be back for another episode this time next week so thanks a lot take care everybody uh, and thanks for joining me steve as well great to always have your company uh goodbye from me yes take care, everyone uh, stay safe and uh, goodbye